Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. You're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player. Fretboard Biology is your answer. Record again? Fretboard Biology is a self-paced college-level program that will give you the right instruction in the right amounts and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free seven-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling. This is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. And of course, we also have the iconic album series, and that's where I'm joined by my friends who are here right now, Gabor Jessica. Hello, Matt. And Rob Rhodes. Hello, Matt. And we talk about we talk about records that we love from our record collections. We talk about pop music. We talk <laughs> we about. Especially when it's Gabor's turn, but it's not this week, but it will be yeah. next week. <laughs> but tonight, Rob, we've got one of your records that you've chosen. It's the Dave Matthews Band album, Every Day. Kick us off, man. Yeah, oh... It's always a struggle to choose what the next record, uh, and yeah. I've just got a list that's endless, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and then you hear something and you go, oh, I'm going to do that one. I push that to the top of the list, and then you hear something else. But uh, for me, this one kind of was. I wanted to pick something a bit weird, and maybe something that people wouldn't expect to me to choose, uh, and also something that maybe people haven't heard um, because. In Australia, he's not that big. No, no, he, he's he's an enigma, Dave Matthews. Mm. And um, anyway, Every Day is their fourth studio album and it was released on February 27, 2001. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the States, Every Day performed like very well commercially. So the album debuted at number one with seven, over 730,000 copies sold during its first week. Yeah. Like any band that is around now, if you told them that they'd sell 700,000 copies of their album in its lifetime, they'd take it, yeah. you know, <laughs> especially now. But in its first week, so that just shows you how very different 2001 was. <laughs> it stayed at number one for two weeks and after 25 weeks of sales, it had sold over 2.5 million copies. Oh, now, for a band that's not all that big outside of the States, that's um, – you know, and to date it sold nearly more than 3 million copies. So, you yeah. know, the majority of that is in the States. Yeah. Um, it was the fifth best-selling album on the Billboard charts in 2001. Wow. Wow. So just goes to show you, you know. The Dave Matthews Band is Carter Beauford uh, on drums and percussion. Killer drummer. Backing Killer vocals. Drummer. Yeah. Vibraphone on this album. on um, Stefan Lassard or Stefan Lassard on bass guitar. Obviously Dave Matthews acoustic. Uh, vocals and electric guitars on this record, which we'll get Bar- into. Baritones. Uh, Leroy Moore is on flute, uh, contrabass, clarinet, the alto, alto saxophone, tenor saxophone and backing vocals. And Boyd Tinsley is on violin and backing vocals. 
Now, this album was produced by Glenn Ballard, who is famous. Well, let's just say he served his apprenticeship with Quincy Jones. So that tells you. That's a bit of a right. (laughs) Yeah. Just put that at the top of your resume and just white paper, blank, everything below that. Um, So he's responsible. He's got production credits on Michael Jackson's Thriller, Pointer Sisters Breakout, um, Toto's Tamboo. Just everyone, Goo Goo Dolls, Ringo Starr, Annie Lennox, Stevie Nicks, but he's most famous for Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Like produced, co-wrote, all of that. And he's also worked with The Cause, no doubt. He did the bonus tracks on Van Halen's The Best of Both Worlds, so the two additional songs with David Lee Roth that they added for that. Um, It just, it doesn't, it never ends. Goo Goo Dolls. And one of our previous albums, No Doubt, which we spoke about, Return to Saturn. He yeah, worked on yeah, that yeah. too. Um, look, this is all the research I did on this album. It's really hard. The, again, I, I said the word enigma because Dave Matthews Band are a complete enigma. You know, mm. they've got this crazy fan base in the States, which is they're a bunch of stoners right really that's what they're known as <laughs> and the dave matthews band the first three records are these long jams mm. that hardly any song is under six and a half minutes yeah, yeah. and there's flute solos and sax solos and violin solos and yeah, all yeah. this stuff going on so they're kind of like this college jam band really yeah, yeah. with a couple of real mm. breakout hits you know crash into me and, and those types of songs early on um when they started working on this album, Dave was in a really like bad place. He was going through depression. So they were working with this Lily White, Steve Lily White, I think Steve his name Lily was. White, yeah. Who they did the first three albums with. And he really encouraged them just to jam and do free form in the studio and put the songs together that way. But what was happening was Dave was spiraling and all the songs were coming out really kind of depressive and low and not really what they wanted. So when the album had wrapped, the their record company, their manager came in, listened to the record and went, yeah, this is, this is not what we want it to be. So we got all the band together except Dave and he said, I'm going to go and tell Dave that this is not the record that we want. And the, the whole band went, oh, thank God. We thought it was just us. <laughs> so everyone, nobody wow. had talked about it together and they'd yeah. all just gone, they were just all worried. No one, they were going out, they were playing basketball outside. They were doing everything they could to avoid being in the studio with Dave and recording because it was such a downer. And um, so the manager goes to Dave and he tells him, you know, this is where we're at. And initially he, he kicks back, but then... He goes, you know what? You're right. You know, I, this is not a fun place to be. These aren't fun songs. And they just come up with an idea that Dave's going to go out to LA and work with Glenn Ballard. And um, and the result is this album, which is a huge departure for the Dave Matthews Band. Mm. There's barely a song over four minutes. They're tight pop songs. You know, there's no elongated solos and jammy bits. It's just a really well-produced, well-written pop record. And um, it. this is my 
Dave Matthews record. This got me into Dave Matthews uh, and subsequent records after this. Um, so Can I, seeing as though you spoke up, Gabor, I'll go to you first. What are, yeah. what are your memories and feelings about this record? So that was the album I got that got me into the band as well. I just wanted to double check just with that because that, um, that, 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 those sessions they did, they were known as the Steve Lillywhite sessions. Yeah. And I believe they then came out as the follow-up album, which is Busted Stuff, that was remade, which I love that album, actually. That's probably Busted Stuff is probably my favourite Dave Matthews Band album. Yeah, that's what happened because originally the with Napster at the time, the Lily White yeah. sessions got leaked. Got leaked, exactly. And yeah. the yeah. fans kind of went in an uproar and go, this is way better, like some of the crazy fans. They went, this yeah. is way better than this is the album we should have got. Why did we get every day? Um we want these songs, so they did a circulation around, and um, they reworked them. Uh, cause it, yeah, they it, re-recorded them, reworked some of the songs, and they're they not as, much. It's not as dark anymore. No, and they all yeah. all those songs basically got re-released on busted stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So back to this. Yeah, so uh, that's the album I, I, I got into. So I got into this album, uh, I think, around about the time when it came out. And I have to thank my old drummer, Luke, Luke Williams, who, uh, or Licker, as he's known as as well. He now plays in a band called Dead Letter Circus. Oh, cool. Um, and we, around that time, we were in a cover kind of corporate sort of cover band, and we did a lot of traveling around, kind of like what you're doing now, um, um, Rob. Mm. But we kind of went to, uh, you know, up north to like the Whitsundays, Hamilton Island, places like that, and even out west to like Longreach and places like that. We did lots of driving. And Luke and I, I don't remember exactly why, but Luke and I used to car share the drive. So we used to be in one car and the other two guys were in the other car usually, right? And he, from a drummer's point of view, he he introduced me to that album saying, you've got to listen to this guy, Carter Beaufort. He's an amazing drummer. Which he is. I think. I, I I really think his his sense of groove really makes a lot of the odd time signature stuff actually not feel like odd time signature stuff. If that makes sense, mm. he sort of gives. He, he's got such a cool groove. I love his playing. I love his hi hat work. Uh, like the sixteenths awesome that he does on the hats are untouchable. Um, yeah. Amazing stuff. And the the the, the cross stick stuff. And like he, and live when you see him, he plays the the stands and everything. Yeah. And he, it's just he's really cool. Is he? Uh, just jump, can I jump in? Is Carter? Is he for the live jammy stuff? Is he? Does he drive a lot of that? Does he direct a lot of that? I think so. Musically, yeah. You can you can tell. I've got a couple of live videos. Uh, Dave Matthews Band live videos. And everyone focuses on him. I think he's sort of uh-huh. almost kind of like a little bit the band leader. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, he's Because awesome, I think man. he does almost a bit of that with because he plays with Santana. He plays percussion with Santana. Okay. And I think he does a lot of that sort of almost band leader thing in Santana as well. But anyway, um, be a killer, killer, killer drummer. And, and yeah. I really think the band wouldn't – because the songs are quite quirky. Dave Matthews – writing style and playing style is quite weird um does it it's not on this album but um so much to say for listeners out there if you haven't if you haven't heard much dave matthews stuff check out a song called so much to say it's the weirdest guitar but then once the drums come in it's it works really well it's, it's his really south odd. african influence like he's talked about it in a lot of interviews yeah. the, the music of south africa that's where that you know the weird Chords and uh, time signatures really and the tribal staccato stuff that he does. Yeah, he has this weird style, but it's really interesting. He's playing, um, but if you watch what he plays, it's bizarre. But um, 
but I think his his drumming kind of makes the groove makes it kind of work. So yeah, so that's when I, and, and I kind of got into it, and um, um, I did it. I love that song. I love the clip. I think I saw um, it was either on Letterman or Jay Leno, one of those shows. Mm. They they were on live, and he was wearing this really like scrunched up grey like a suit kind of thing and played I, 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 the, the thing that I really remember really really remember is the Dan Electra baritone because at the time I didn't even know there was such a thing as baritone guitars. Oh, yeah, right. I just thought why is the neck so long <laughs> right? and I found out later on that it was a baritone and there's a lot of baritone on this album actually mm. which I, 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 I think that's also the album that got me into the sound of baritone guitars wow awesome um, but yeah I, I love the production on this album It's it, so that's I think that is one of my two favorite Dave Matthews Band albums. Um, and uh, I've seen him live twice now as well, which is a fantastic live band to see. Um, but yeah, killer, killer, uh, killer album, great production, great songs, really unusual songwriting. Um, the band is, is fantastic, uh, all of them. I mean, they're all really good. And I think uh, it'll probably come up in the fun facts too because Luke was telling me, I remember back in the days how the band kind of came together as well. Um, so I think that's probably coming up in your fun facts. Oh, uh, no, I kind of left much, all that. Oh, I want people to kind of discover that stuff for themselves if they okay. if they get into it from this album. But, yeah, that, that's got yeah. A, it's a great backstory. Yeah. How Dave so, jumped um, on stage and – Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's I, – I, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of Dave Matthews' band. Um, so I even have – I even have – for you people with the special glasses, I have the yeah, hard copy. I have a CD. I've got two. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's a killer album, killer band. Um, for people that haven't seen much Dave Matthews Band, check out some of the live stuff. Mm. Um, there's a really good concert from Central Park. Uh, I think it's just called The Central Park Concert. Mm. And it's, again, for a guy who's not necessarily known outside of the U.S., that ocean of people in Central Park. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. They got a crazy fan base. Before I get yeah. to you, Matt, I'd, like I saw Dave Matthews Band at Blues Fest a few years ago. And unfortunately, I saw Michael Franti right before them. And it's I think it's gone down as one of Franti's best Blues Fest uh-huh. like performances. Okay. It was his birthday. And it was just an amazing, on the back of that album at that time. Um, and when I went went from the euphoria of that performance over to Dave Matthews, I could not, I couldn't adjust. And it was really <laughs> difficult. I couldn't sit through Dave Matthews. And it was really disappointing that it went that way because I didn't go the second night that Dave was there. And so I didn't get to enjoy it on its uh on its merits so that was one of my regrets of seeing a live concert and not really being able to enjoy it but yeah hopefully they'll be back now all this post garbage that's going on how about you matt where does this how's this album hit you well dave matthews band i didn't i i hadn't heard this record but i do own the second record crash Mm -hmm. um all my CDs are stored away, so I can't wave them up with the special glasses, <laughs> people. Like you guys do. Yeah, we're weirdos. I feel yeah, yeah. I feel bad, but um, but I, trust me, I own Crash, and um, I love that record, and I loved song number forty-one. Um, that's a live favorite, and I've spent many a, maybe not many, but plenty of plenty of nights just going on a YouTube Dave Matthews Band 
uh, Odyssey and, and watching several live versions of Number Forty One. Yeah, I love that's one of those songs I can just I can never get bored of. So I love this record. I, I got a question for Rob, uh, or maybe you'll, you'll talk about it at some stage. But to me, Dave Matthews, I think of you know the guy playing acoustic really high, playing the impossible chords and singing at the same time, and playing these crazy parts. Um, but this record is a lot more electric guitar. And I'm wondering, is this the is this the Dylan at Fairport album for <laughs> the electric record for DMB fans? Because the actually, you know what? When you talk about jam bands, all the fans of jam bands are crazy. So yeah, Fish, yeah, Grateful yeah. Dead, yeah, all that <laughs> stuff, yeah. Grateful yeah. Dead. I think he went back to pretty much playing only acoustic after this album as well. That was a one-off kind of thing that he did, that, and it was mostly baritone on this album too. Yeah, and it's a transition. Um, it because he brings Tim Reynolds in to the band live, like for the Grugrux King album, when all those songs need to be played, you know, in the set, because uh-huh. um, that's quite an electric record too. Mm. Um, so yeah, that. I was I was looking that up just to because I had that similar thought. It was like, oh yeah, Dave Matthews Band's got this huge following, selling millions of records, uh, and they go and do an electric record with Glenn Ballard, you know. And I thought, what's the the only kickback I could find? Because they sort of said that critically and fans love this album, which is you know why it sold, but. Also, the mainstream suddenly heard of Dave Matthews too. And it didn't seem that there was that kickback until people found those Lily White Session songs. Uh, That seemed to be the only time where they went, what, we got that record instead of this one? We Mm. wanted that one. And that Mm. was sort of, I think it had to happen for Dave to grow from that kind of university campus um, jam band and sort of get out there more, and yeah. and that has had a an effect on him as far as his philanthropic endeavors go and all that. It's afforded them to set up so many little charities and help yeah, so many right. people. So, yep. but um, yeah, I interrupted you there with those little. Oh no, that's really cool. That's cool. Yeah, and um, before the show, I know you and I, I shot you a quick email. Yeah, asking about, about that. Question. that. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's that's super interesting. Um, and obviously you know more. Hey, another question: Is it true? I read a stat today. It said Dave Matthews Band they've done nine studio albums, pretty good, pretty solid, mm. great effort, and something like eighty-five. I'm not even making that up. Eighty-five live albums. Probably, yeah. Yeah, you go on Spotify <laughs> and just try to scroll to their first record. Yeah, they're like start on Tuesday, finish on Wednesday. Well, um, I think they were doing the thing kind of like Pearl Jam did for a little while, yeah, where they okay. recorded every album and you yep. could buy every album. Sort of, uh, the, 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 I mean, every concert. Yeah. The concert you went to, you could buy it. I think they did that for quite a while. And they were one cool of the idea. first, yeah. And they were one of the first bands to allow recording at their shows. Yeah. So they encouraged okay. their fans to bring audio recording devices, and then they could just look, do whatever you want. And then with the advent of Napster and all the, um, you know, torrents and stuff, yeah. they kind of, they didn't want to stop it, but they sold uh, tickets. So if you wanted to record, you bought a ticket where you were allowed to record in that area. 
okay. you know, yeah. but they knew who the people were that were doing it, had right. their details, whatever. Um, but they still do it and they still encourage it, but they just they seem to sell a audio recording ticket. So yeah. maybe they put them in the best spot, like near the sound desk or something. Yeah. They just put them yeah. all there. <laughs> I wonder if these guys like bring in like you know like an XY mic set up and they're like yeah. something you know a bit more elaborate than their phone because they've paid for the the extra a money. zoom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. um, favorite songs then, Matt, for you? Uh, I liked heaps of the songs. Um, I did it. The the opening riffs on I did it, and Dreams of Our Father. That like they both had really. The, cool really propulsive riffs mm. um which i loved i love the singing in dreams of our father too that real rapid fire kind of delivery that that matthews does sometimes space between is it's a nice juxtaposition because the chorus is super sweet it's almost too sweet for me but then the the verse is, is nice and dark and it's a nice it's a nice mix was that tune used for a film soundtrack or anything it, it there was. Really I did. I did. I did have that up, but I didn't end up putting it in my notes. But um, yeah, that was used, and every day was used as well. Okay. But, um, I can pull that up, and uh, we will see. Well, what are you doing now? I'll keep. I'll name a yeah, couple cool. more. So right, because the horns, the super low horns were were in there. I love that man. That was cool, and. Um, Angel, which is which shares a name with a Jimi Hendrix song, um, but is not the Jimi Hendrix song, but no. has Jimi Hendrix esque chord playing in it. I like that. So they used it as a teaser for Black Hawk Down. Ah, okay. The space between. Uh, okay. The space between, yeah. Well, that seems to be that one. Okay. And then, um, yeah, every day was used in something too. Um, yeah, That's it a doesn't. Neat tune too, yes. Yeah, man, those those are solid picks. I reckon Anything? the whole the whole album though is yeah. great. It's great. It's they're all. It's a very cohesive record, and yeah, it's, uh, I, I, yeah. I'm, you can't wipe the smile off my face talking about this record. <laughs> How about you, Gabor? What are what are some uh, picks for you? Uh, I love. I did it. Um, uh, Space Between is a cool track. Uh, what You Are, I really like that. That's a, um, a slight Middle Eastern-y kind of vibe in there. Um, uh, Angel, the the strings and a piano in the in the chorus. Uh, it's a the chorus is great. It sort of has this kind of quite a dark sort of vibe to it. The chorus, and I, I always like that. It sort of goes, I don't know, it goes kind of sort of a bit to an uncomfortable place almost. But I like that. Um, uh, well, we full to think the great drum groove in that is so good, and then it goes into this kind of is it sort of nine eight kind of bit, which but then again the drums are so you're not quite sure because it keeps it almost like it does it doesn't go into a different time signature. Um, uh, Sleep to dream her uh, six eight again. Um, I love all the odd time signatures, but how he kind of the the drums make it not feel that odd. Mm. Um, Mother, Father, uh, it's a cool song. It's funny. I, I, I kind of always, I, I don't think I ever really looked at the liner notes. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, you're going to. And I kind of thought, oh, that sounds like such a Santana song or like Santana would be on it. And then you look at it and you go, oh, it is actually Santana playing on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's a funny story. I didn't include this in the fun facts, but um, 
when, because Dave obviously went and recorded all this stuff with Glenn Ballard and the songs yeah. were basically done. Um, and when he played the songs to the band, they kind of all looked at him and Carter Beaufort was one and said, who's playing guitar, man? Is that Santana? And Dave <laughs> Matthews went, no, it's me. And because obviously Carlos hadn't played on the session at that time no. and he said, the whole band just smiled like they, you know, <laughs> from ear to ear, they just went, oh, my God, this is something we haven't heard from you. Wow, and wow. They were just so buzzed about what they were hearing just from those demos. You know, yeah. Unbelievable. Ballard's known for doing pretty full-on demos, hey? Yeah. Yeah. So um, while I think of it, this was a very different album and a recording experience for the whole band because, as I mentioned, the demos were basically done yeah. and then the band was come was brought in to play their parts much like a session. Yeah. And it was yeah. something they were never really exposed to and at the time they didn't enjoy it. They didn't want to do things that way because um, Steve – Lily White in the past to just let them jam together and they put the songs together that way. And I mean, they're all jazz guys too. They all come from a jazz background where it is more of a you play together yeah, rather than, you know, yeah. So they went, oh, this was completely upside down for them and to come in and play these tight pop songs. But yeah. um, the Stefan Lassard, the bass player, he said there were times when I was just told to pump like quarter notes. And I was just like, what? You know, and then I'd listen back and go, that is so fat. That sounds yeah. so great. And then he got into like just sitting in the groove and playing less. And Carter Beaufort, the same. He said, I'm more guilty than anyone of overplaying. Like I just overplayed yeah. all the time. And then to strip back and just play what was necessary, it was a really nice change to tighten up and, and do that. So, um, so many stories out of this record. And, um, Maybe we should take a break and okay, okay. then we can get to the gear and fun facts and some other cool things about this record. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cup. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. All right, welcome back. We're talking about Every Day, the fourth record by the Dave Matthews Band, which Rob has brought along this week. Yeah, um, hopefully... People saw this get posted and listened to the record first and can kind of really enjoy the things that we're talking about with this record. Um, if not, press pause now and go <laughs> and listen to this record. Yeah. Um, I will give you a money-back guarantee that you'll enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is free, right? Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I'm starting the new Rob Rhodes Bitcoin <laughs> get in on the ground floor. Is that fungible or non-fungible? <laughs> it's funnable. Oh, nice. That's the best kind. Non-refundable. Well, non-refundable. Um, <laughs> all right, so this is going to be really quick for me. The My favourite songs are every song. Yeah. I, yeah. 
I tried to single something out and I couldn't. I just, from start to finish, this is light, shade, happy, you know, uh, it's just everything. And I love every song on it for a very different reason. There's times when I start the album at the second track uh, when the world ends. I, I just, I hear... I hear early Dave Matthews, but not so much. You know, there's a little bit of that in there, but I hear the I hear Sting, I hear the police, you know, yeah. that that sensibility of those bands are what brought this to me. When I heard I did it, I just went, What the hell is that? Like yeah. I I'm I knew Baritone before because, you know, Diesel was using it on Hep Fidelity mm-hmm. and I'd kind of I'd heard that from him and so when this came around, I, I knew what it was when I saw it was and it's a Jerry Jones as well. He's Oh, is he, it not done electric? Yeah, yeah he, okay. he's got a few Jerry Joneses. Um, but everything everything that this record has to offer, I, I'll just eat it up and twice on Sundays. I just I, I love the production. I love yeah. the songwriting. I love that it's not it's not this type of music like you could accuse them of being sort of above like in that jazz way that you were saying that it's not for everybody but this album is accessible to everybody who oh, absolutely you yeah. know wants to sing along but wants to get more than you know a throwaway pop song out of the music mm. and oh, it's it's got depth it's just there's everything about it and it's you know, it's heartbreaking at times. Lyrically, there's some things in there that just I resonate with straight away. Um, you know, if I had it all, um, the lyrically, that's just amazing. That song. I, I, he writes a lot of quite me. dark lyrics. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's then he, he. I think it wasn't long after this he released his solo album, which was called Grave Digger. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's. I think he's quite a dark dude. But he's and again, like when you see him on talk shows, he's a funny, funny guy, engaging yeah. guy. Like he yeah. was in that. I think he's in Just Go with It, the Adam Sandler movie where he plays Nicole Kidman's husband, and they're like okay, this yeah. completely weird, <laughs> like sexed up couple. It is hilarious. Nicole Kidman's hilarious in it too. Um, but uh, yeah, and I've seen interviews on. Leno and Letterman, and he is a funny guy. Like he's, yeah. you know, just he seems like a beautiful human being, and that comes out in in the music. Uh, so yeah, to to pick out songs for me, it's impossible. I just I can't do it. Um, listen to the whole record, folks. Um, it is yeah, it is start to finish. It's a great album, yeah. And it it never goes. It goes over there and it goes over here and but there's this solid line that runs through the whole record um and that's probably a lot to do with the production and the mastering i think it was mastered it was mastered by a monster as well like was it bob clearwater or one of those guys um line of notes hang on who's gonna find it first it's hard to read in dark i know it's all kind of silverish silver on silver yeah so it was recorded at Conway Studios, Hollywood, and mastered by Bob Ludwig. So there you go. Bob nice. Ludwig is a – it was also mixed by Chris Lord 
Algy. Is that how you say his last name? Chris Algy. Yeah, it's yeah. another big, another, another big name. Yeah. So you can see like the caliber of team that worked on this record. Yeah, just bought the best of this band out, and Glenn Ballard, from a producer's point of view, delivered the Dave Matthews band that probably they needed to be at that time, which, yeah. you know, awesome. All right, so let's get to some gear because right. there's not a lot of that. Uh, Dave Matthews, uh, he, he use, mostly uses Taylor 914 CEs. Um, and on this record, obviously, there's the Jerry Joneses. Through a matchless SC30. I'm not oh, yeah. sure. It was really hard to get what he used in the studio because obviously it was Ballard's studio, so there was a mm. lot of stuff there. Yeah. Um, but it did seem that live when he took the the rig on the road, it was what was used in the studio. So, yeah, yeah the matchless SC30 and the Jerry Jones baritones. Um, and, you know... There's so much going on, but because this is an electric record, it, it seems like it's mostly just those baritones on every song. Yeah. You yeah. can definitely hear there's a lot of baritone action on that, yeah. Yeah. It's such and a, bit a of cool string. tone. It's so string too. Like it's crunchy and nasty, but there's a lot of clarity to it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and that's because he's kept it kind of clean. Yeah. Like there's a little overdrive. It's probably just the amp overdriving. Um, well, it's a, it's a Vox style the, the SC30. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the matchless stuff really is, and and it's just it's that chimey chimey amp with the the low notes and the baritone, and I mean also with lipstick pickups, it's quite a bright. It mm. it, it it should be quite clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some great sounds on there. And he's got a Santa Cruz Bob Brosman baritone as well. Okay. So I'm not sure if that made it to this record again. Like he would have, I don't know how much gear he would have taken. To Hollywood, yeah. um, to to record this, but that seems to be the majority. The Taylors, he's got a bunch of Martins, D35s, um, and then he's got some signature model Martins as well, by the looks of it. Um, and there's there was mention of a Fender Hot Rod Deluxe, so you know that's the Everyman amp, yeah. Um, and then a Gibson Chet Atkins SST solid body acoustic guitar, but that hasn't been used. Oh, it says it hasn't been used since 2000. So, yeah. um, but Lakewoods. Um, and then there's a rig rundown, um, which was a later tour. Um, and he's basically just using the SC30 with a micro amp and a MXR CAE line boost, mm. a couple of DD3 delays or DD6s, and that's all he's using. Uh-huh. Um, there's a splitter and a wireless unit, but there's not much really going on um, in there. Did any any particular things other than what we've already discussed stand out for you guys? No. Nah. There's definitely some 12-string on there. You yeah. can hear there's in, in a few bits there's some 12-string, but it's uh, live again. I think he just uses Taylor... Well, he in those days anyway. Uh, I think he just used Taylor twelve strings and and um, it's all it was all pretty much all Taylor back then. Yeah, he's changed a bit now, but um, but in that, at that time it was all those Taylors with the really nice fancy inlays. Mm. Yeah, and that's the nine fourteen, and then he had the signature model, which the only difference between that 
and the 914 was those inlays yeah. um, on his signature model. Yeah. So, um, man, and he's got that, uh, the Valetti, like Mando acoustics as well. That would have been used on some of those overdubs. Um, and what else has he got there? Yeah, there's there's so much. The list of gear is crazy. Um, there's some there's some real nerdy sites out there for Dave Matthews fans <laughs> that are into that. Over the, what he would have been using well, over the years, yeah. Again, that's the jam band fan stuff. It gets nuts. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be photos. Yeah. There'll be fuzzy photos. You've, you guys have seen this. Fuzzy photos from gigs of a pedal board from 300 metres away. What's that What's that orange one there? Exactly. It doesn't look like a DS1. <laughs> so there's a couple of stories here about songs before we wrap up. Um, yeah. So every day, um, Boyd Tinley's violin on this track was put through a wah-wah pedal, so that's how he gets that sound on every day. Um, I did it. Dave is quoted as saying, um, this is the first single and the first track on every day and the first album and first track that Dave played electric guitar on. Um, He walked into Ballard's studio and was enamored with the baritone straight away and like Glenn put it in his hands. He goes, just play this. Um, And the first thing he did was hand me the guitar and it was love at first touch. Um, He was having a visceral experience with this guitar and I couldn't wrench it out of his hands. That's Uh, cool. There's just something about baritones. I, I, I have a baritone now as well and there's just something about it. It just... I mean, it's the same thing really, just lower. Mm. But there's just something about it. It just has a... I don't know. I just love playing. Uh, and a lot of my, nor- my normal guitars now are tuned down to like C standard and stuff like that as well just because it's, it's, it just has something, those lower frequencies. It does. I had a Dano one a few years ago when I first moved up here actually. So what's that, six years ago? Um, but again, when a guitar sits idle and I don't use it live, mm. it just sits there, gathers dust, and then I sell it. Uh, yeah. uh, but there's all those, you know, it was really – it's a creative instrument. Yeah, like you start to a is, yeah. simple chords sound different and more, you know, inspired, which is yeah. really cool. Um, so the space between it was their first top forty hit for the Dave Matthews Band, and their only song to chart in the UK, where it reached number thirty-five. Oh wow! So that's some little uh, cool things about the songs. Now, fun facts. With Rob. Uh, that's <laughs> Jamie Presley holding the baby in the video of um, Every Day. Is it Every Day? No, I did it. And this was before she landed her role in My Name Is Earl. Oh. Um, but, yeah, she also appeared in Aerosmith's Girl of Summer and Marilyn Manson's Tainted Love Clip. Ooh. So before her creative, her you know, movie and TV career took off. Um, So by the end of the first day together, Ballard and Matthews had written and recorded an entire song and that was every day. So they did that on the first day when they met. Solid start. (laughs) It's a great song. Great song, great clip. I love that the guy who goes around and hugs everyone. Yeah. It's crazy. And it emerged from a drone, like that simple groove and drone that Ballard played on his keyboard and it was blended with a guitar figure from an old Matthews band song called 36. So okay. he'd had that idea. They'd been playing that live for a while. Um, we mentioned that uh, Dave Matthews was born 
in Johannesburg, South Africa in 67. So during his early years, he moved around the world, including stints in London and New York City. He was raised as a Quaker and pacifist. So that's something that's been very interesting watching um, Finding Your Roots, which is a series um, kind of like an ancestry series. Uh, and it's great. Um, but he left South Africa for good in 1985 when he was facing possible uh, military conscription. So uh-huh. he had to serve back then. Um, here's some funny road stories. So uh, in August 2004, Stefan Wall was the Dave Matthews Band bus driver. He was charged with dumping 800 pounds of sewerage onto a sightseeing cruise on the Chicago River. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so Wall was driving the empty tour bus when he decided to empty the septic, septic tank while crossing the bridge. Uh, oh. The sewerage was dumped onto people aboard the little lady tour boat <laughs> below, resulting in the city filing a lawsuit against the band and Wall. You 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 do cru- you do cruise ships, you know you do I know. cruises and stuff. I always look up when we go under bridges now. Um, so they were charged with violating water pollution and public nuisance laws to the amount of seventy thousand dollars in damages. Oh wow! And the group suspended Wall, who served eighteen months probation and had to serve one hundred and fifty hours of community service and pay a ten thousand dollar fine. The band also gave $50,000 to Chicago Park District and to the Friends of the Chicago River so they could clean up and keep a whole bunch of things, you know, moving. Number two's out of there. <laughs> but, yeah, that's um, – we obviously mentioned the last thing is that Carlos Santana solo in Mother Father. Um, I, I am a Carlos fan up to – sort of inner, is it inner secrets? I was always going to say inner visions, but that's Stevie Wonder. That's Stevie. So um, when Neil Schoen had joined the band and they did uh, well all right, and that was sort of when I checked out with Santana, um, especially that record uh, Supernatural. Yeah, with Rob Thomas and that, yeah. That's like. Yeah, that's when I just went, that's just noodling and playing every chance you can get. And I'll probably get shut down for that. But he plays. No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. This I'm is Santana, you. which I wish that record had have been, where he let the songs breathe and then he did his thing in the context of the song. And that's his legacy. Like that solo to me is everything that is Carlos Santana to me. Those early records. There's the feel, the fire, everything, and he's got the chord progression to play over. Yeah. Um, he's not just an add-on to a pop song, which I kind of feel that those two records, Supernatural and Supernatural 2, <laughs> I don't know yeah. what the second one. But, um, <laughs> yeah. More Supernatural. <laughs> Word, words is hard. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's um, that, that to me is... That's the best thing Santana's probably done in since then. Yeah. Um, he sits more evenly in a mix as well. That's why I never, I, I never kind of thought that it was Santana. I thought it must have been someone else because mm. in everything else, he's so much louder than everything. Well, he's, he, but he kind of sits in a mix in that song. Yeah, yeah. He, here's my theory on that because I agree with you guys on, on the Supernatural records and all that kind of stuff too. Um, actually, I quite like some of the songs on those records, but I just wish... 
Uh, I'll edit this out. I just wish Santana wasn't <laughs> playing on those songs on his own record. <laughs> oh, Don't man. edit it out. Leave it in. Leave it in. Okay. Um, my theory is he probably just blazed over, the, you know, every song on the record and they just edited it down and then turned it down within, uh, oh. within that, yeah. that, that scope. But it is funny that, that, that he ends up on the album that they thought he'd played on when the rest of the band arrived yeah, that's cool. in I wonder, LA. You know? I wonder if that made him think, man, maybe we should ask Carlos Santana to play. Yeah, I reckon it did. Or, yeah. Yeah. But I think that kind of wraps up this record. And, I, you know, I, I really loved, because I've taken a couple of years away from this record and I, driving to a gig a couple of weeks ago, I chucked it on again just because I was in that mood and it just solidified to me. That would be my choice for the next iconic record, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed revisiting it and people listening enjoy it. Too. I did. I hadn't listened to it for such a long time, and then when you said we should do it, I put it on driving to gigs. <laughs> I mean, the usual time when I listen to music. Yeah, and it's such a cool album. And and uh, since then, I've listened to Busted Stuff and and a bunch of the other albums too, which are which are great, great albums. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely fun revisiting stuff that you love. Yeah. It's really cool. And if you still love it, it's even a bonus. Now I'm going to track yeah. it down on vinyl. Nice. Nice. Fancy. Well, fellas, thank you so much. When you're not digging out your old DMB records, uh, where can we find you, Rob? Oh, mate, you'll find me on the M1 mostly between, <laughs> between uh, the Northern Rivers and the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. Um, but if you want to keep up with everything, just my website's a great place to find everything. It's got links to my all of my projects and my originals. So that's just um, Road Trip Ent. So just like my name, roadtripent.com. Nice, nice. Very cool. And Gabor? Well, if you really want to hear more of me and even see more of me, uh, if you're that foolish, uh, go to YouTube <laughs> and uh, type in The Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Pedal Show, all one word. Actually, no, the The is separate, but Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Pedal Show, all one word. And then you will find us, uh, myself and my friend Alex, and we do pedal reviews and guitar reviews and amp reviews and um, lots of hilarious uh, banter. And, and a podcast like too. Which, which do do. We which do. I was on the last episode. Thank you, you very on, that's much. Right. That's right. Yeah, give you've that been, a plug. I think we dropped the. I think we broke the name dropping record on that. When I was listening back, I'm like, man, we dropped. How many names did we drop? On that? <laughs> you got to drop names. Got to drop names. It's the only way to go. So yeah. So if you wanna, if you wanna find out the hard truth of what Rob is really like, um, <laughs> hey Rob was, angry, Rob was on my podcast man. too. An angry oh, I'm such a, I'm such a tart right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's where you can find me anyway. Very, very cool. Well, fellas, thank you so much. Another great uh, episode. Rob, thanks for bringing this record along, man. Fantastic. My pleasure. Thanks, gents. All right. This has been the Iconic Album Series on Guitar Speak Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you also to Fretboard Biology for bringing this episode to us today. Come back next week for another album. And you can check out the back catalogue with interviews with, with some of the world's leading guitarists and guitar figures. All right, that's about it for me. My name's Matt Wakeling. Thanks again, Gabor and Rob. Thanks, Matt. Thank Thanks, you. Rob. And in the words of Michael Schenker. Keep rocking and keep on rocking. Keep on rocking indeed. See you next time. <laughs>